Live from the basement, this is Cellar Dweller Sports. And we're back with another edition of Cellar Dweller Sports featuring K-Dog and G-Mac. Welcome back to the Cellar. We're here with the New York Metropolitans. Today's rundown, we have the NHL playoff preview and Islanders playoff preview. Then we have Nets and Knicks rewind and preview. Well, just rewind for the playoffs. And then... uh, we have the Mets and Yankees rewind and preview. And then to finish it off, we have K-Dog's Fantasy Minute at the end. So first, we'll start out with our playoff rewind. Our picks from originally in uh, before the season started for our playoff teams. And we'll start out in the East. And for the East, it is Pittsburgh versus New York, the Islanders. And then Washington versus Boston in the 2-3 matchup. So for the East, I got all four correct. Oh, come on. You didn't get all four In the correct. beginning of the season, I picked all four of these teams. Uh, well, they were they were kind of like uh, the chalk in the, in the beginning of the season, the East. So uh, uh, it's, it, I, I think it was predictable, but I got all four right. So it'll be Pittsburgh versus the Isles, and then uh, Washington versus Boston in the first rounds in the East. Yeah, I didn't get them all right, K-Dog. I I picked the Isles, the Caps, the Penguins, and the Flyers to make the the playoffs. I did not pick the Bruins. The Flyers were the big disappointment, and their inability to make the playoffs stemmed from their goaltending. Carter Hart did not have the form that made him the Vesna Trophy contender that he was mm-hmm. last year. And this lack of strong goaltending did them in this year and was the main reason that the Flyers did not have a consecutive playoff appearance. And, you know, they're going to, K-Dog, they're going to need to assess their goaltending situation for next year and determine whether Carter Hart will ever be the goalie he was last year or whether he's a flash in the pan. Only time will tell, but the Flyers' success is contingent on Carter Hart. Yes. Uh, in the East, yeah, you're right. The Flyers' offseason was due to a lack of goaltending from both goaltenders. Uh, very offseason from Carter Hart. And goaltending wins games, obviously. Uh, you could see from the Islanders, they're low scoring, but they don't give up a lot of goals. So that's recipe for success is great goaltending. Especially in the playoffs. Especially in the playoffs. The high-scoring games have a tendency to go out the window, and it's lockdown defense and goaltending that typically wins. Yes. Uh, So now moving on to the Southern Conference in the NHL, the playoff matchups are Carolina versus Nashville at the one versus four, and then... Two versus three is the Florida matchup. The Panthers versus the Lightning. In this division, I got three out of the four right. I didn't pick Nashville. Based on Nashville's performance last year, I did not expect them to be even close 
in this playoff race in the South. I picked the Stars over them. Uh, the Stars obviously uh, had a really bad season this year, an off season, uh, and the Predators snuck by them to get into the playoffs uh, in the Southern Division. So you picked Florida. Yeah, I picked the Panthers and really? originally. Yeah, I did not expect it to be uh, Florida versus Tampa though. That should be a great matchup for uh, the the state of Florida. A uh, bunch of it will be uh, crazy down there, and I think it will be probably one of the most electric series out there. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get the, this division exactly correct either. I picked Tampa. I had Dallas. I picked Columbus and Carolina. Columbus. Columbus. Yeah, I didn't. Wow. Pick, I didn't pick Florida. Even though I did give them some consideration, mm-hmm. I thought they could sneak into the playoffs. I certainly didn't pick Nashville, and I didn't give them any consideration. Yeah. The fact that they're in this playoff is amazing to me. You know, and, and Dallas and Columbus were probably the biggest disappointments. Mm-hmm. You know, in the NHL, perhaps. Dallas started really slow, uh, and although starting to play good hockey, they couldn't make up the ground necessary to make the playoffs. They just dug themselves too big of a hole. They couldn't recover. Uh, Columbus was also a big disappointment. Now, Columbus finished last, tied with Detroit. So they they fell off the map, and the problem with Columbus was, you know, they just couldn't win on the road. They were 7-17 on the road, and they gave up the most goals in their division, which is surprising because Columbus had a pretty good goaltending tandem uh, last year. But th- this year, uh, they, they could not repeat that uh, robust goaltending, gave up way too many goals, couldn't win on the, play, uh, on the road. Subsequently, you know, they're not going to be exploding the cannon mm-hmm. uh, at the Columbus Arena this playoff season. And... You know, Columbus is another team, and Dallas too. That that they got to figure out, you know, what the missing ingredient is. Because Dallas really, you, you know, at the beginning of this, I thought it was going to be Dallas, Tampa Bay going toe to toe, slugging it out for the playoff mm-hmm. uh, for first place in the division, and then a mat another slugfest in the playoffs. But you know, Dallas really uh, was a disappointment this season, as was uh, Columbus in this division. Yeah, the the Florida Panthers. I did not. Ex- I I expected them to sneak in like the Predators did, but they were one point away from uh, coming in first in in the Southern Division this year, which was uh, a big surprise in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. But uh, now moving on to the Western Division, the one versus four matchup is the Avalanche versus the St. Louis Blues. And then it is Vegas versus Minnesota for the 2-3 matchup in this division. Uh, I got three out of the four correct. I picked Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas to make it. I had Vegas as my number one seed, uh, but the Avalanche had the tiebreaker in that one, obviously, and they got the one seed. But uh, the team I did not expect was Minnesota Wild to make the playoffs. I had the Arizona Coyotes over them, and the Coyotes played horribly this year, finishing with an under 500 record. But the Minnesota Wild proved everyone wrong, including me. And uh, 
made their way into the playoffs. And uh, with good goaltending with uh, Cam Talbot, uh, they, they could possibly go far in this playoffs. Uh, so, K-Dog, you have to change your statement that Minnesota proved everyone wrong. Because Minnesota did not prove me wrong. I picked Minnesota to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right? So, I got the West 100% correct. I picked Vegas, I picked the Avalanche, I picked the Blues, and I picked the Minnesota Wild. So, you know, at the outset of this season, I didn't think that the California teams nor Arizona had enough to make a run at the playoffs, and and that proved to be the case. The California teams made up the bottom Mm -hmm. three in this division. I mean, they just, no competition. And Arizona finished fifth nine points behind St. Louis for the last playoff spot. So, you know, Arizona started out a little hot early, but then tailed off big time. And, um, you know, St. Louis is back in the playoffs, you know, uh, a season removed from their Stanley Cup run. Vegas, you know, the, the new team in the league, continues to impress with their organization making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado's resurgence um, in the play, you know, continuing to make the playoffs. And, and the Wild, uh, who, who didn't make the playoffs last year, but are, are back in it this year. So I got that uh, division 100%. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, what comes next out of that division. Well, yeah, like like you said before, goaltending wins games, and obviously the Golden Knights are a staple in this league now because they have two of the best goaltenders in the league with uh, Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard. Uh, they can throw two two of the better goalies in the NHL at you on any given night. So yeah, and moving on to our final division, it is the North Division, aka the Canadian Division. And in this one, it is the Maple Leafs at number one versus the Canadians at four. And then at two, it's the Oilers. And at three, it's the Winnipeg Jets. So for me in this one, I got three out of the four correct. Uh, I picked the Canucks to be in this one over Edmonton. I did not expect Edmonton. Uh, I expected them to be close in this division, but not make it to the playoffs, but with the season uh, Connor McDavid had, uh, it was obvious that they were going to make the playoffs at that point in time, but the Canucks finished at the bottom of the league uh, in this division, six games under 500, and uh, did not even sniff the playoffs this entire year, but uh, three out of the four correct in the North Division, aka Canadian Division for me. K-Dog, I also got three out of the four in the Canadian division, picking Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Vancouver as well, right? So I didn't get Vancouver. I had considered Montreal um, Mm -hmm. in the conversation, but I went with Vancouver. And Vancouver was a a huge disappointment. You know, they finished last in the division with 47 points, but – you know, I don't want to make excuses for Vancouver, but they were hit hard by the pandemic. They were, yeah. you know, they stopped play for probably two to three weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and they couldn't recover from that. And they were struggling before they were impacted by the corona 
but you know the corona finished them off and Vancouver's still playing games because they have to make up games which you know I don't know why the NHL is having to play games at this point in yeah. time but you know the Canadian division isn't going to start the playoffs uh, until probably Wednesday because the, the Vancouver Canucks have to finish up two three games mm-hmm. which you know I, I don't get unless there's some positioning uh, that remains in this division. The four teams are locked. So, um, to me, you just go by win percentage in the season uh, and you seed them based on win percentage and get this done with and start the playoffs because I don't think anybody really cares. Um, and I've been watching some of the Cana- Canadian division lately. And, you know, these teams aren't – I mean, they're not playing starters, you know, in, in, in these games. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched Edmonton – uh, play uh, Toronto, and you know nobody was playing in the game. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know why the NHL is going through these this exercise with Vancouver to call it a day, seed them by win percentage, and move on to the playoffs. Yeah. So now that we're done with our review, we'll move on to predicting who will come out of each division. And we'll start out with the Eastern Division. And I'm going to have to go with the New York Islanders on this one. You're I, I went with them last year. I'm going to go with them again this year. They're a fourth seed. I believe that the, the Isles always perform well in the underdog situation. Uh, they're playing Pittsburgh again. Two years ago, they played Pittsburgh, swept them. I don't think it will be a sweep. I think they'll win in six games. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, and the other side, Washington versus Boston. I'll, I have Washington winning against Boston. So New York versus Washington uh, matchup again. And I think the Isles will take the caps out and move on to the semifinals against the Western Division finalist in this one. Uh, Kate Augie, I, I, can't, I can't agree with you. I cannot pick the Islanders to come out of this division. I just can't do it. So I am going with the Washington Capitals to come out of this division. You know, yep. the Caps have won this season without some of their best players for long periods of time. You know, they've won without Ovechkin playing. They've won without Tom Wilson playing. They've won without a number of their starters out for periods of time. So, you know, they're deep. They have a good balance of speed. They have good skill, a balance of skill, and they got a good balance of size, making them a tough team to beat. Now, the goaltending is a wild card with Vanacek. Mm-hmm. You know, the he's... He's the rookie starting goalie. He played well this season, but this is the playoffs. This isn't the regular season. So you got to see how he's going to react and how he's going to play because a, a lot of rookie goalies haven't been able to measure up in their first playoffs. So that is a bit of a wild card for the Capitals. If they had Brandon Holtby in net, this year, no question mm-hmm. about it. No question about it. So there's that little crack that says, okay, somebody might be able to beat them out of this division. 
but I think they come out of this division K-Dog. And then, you know, uh, obviously they beat the winner of the Pittsburgh Islanders series that we'll discuss a little later. Yeah, so uh, moving on to the uh, South Division, we have uh, Carolina, Nashville, Florida, Tampa. And in this one, I'm going to pick the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, man, you must be looking at my notes again. You come home and you from school and you're looking at my notes. <laughs> to make the semifinals against the Canadian division team. Uh, their goals allowed was fantastic this year. Tied for fourth in the league, giving up 2.4 goals a game, led by James Reiner in this one. And uh, their, their attacking lines are... Filthy, led by Sebastian Ajo, Dougie Hamilton, Andrei Shvechnikov, uh, Nita Ryder, and Trocek. Uh, they they could score on Will as well. It's just a recipe for success in this one. They're deep as well in uh, in this uh, Carolina team, but I think they're going to take it uh, all the way in the Southern Division and play the Canadian Division. Yes, K-Dog, I agree with you. I'm picking Carolina to come out of this division. You know, it was it, it was tough consideration between Tampa mm-hmm. and Carolina because, you know, you got to go with the champ until the champ is no longer the champ. I just think that Tampa has a more difficult road to get there. I think the Tampa-Florida series is going to be you know, a, a very physical series that is going to put Tampa to the test where I think Carolina playing Nashville isn't going to be the test and isn't going to require the energy that it's going to take for Tampa to beat the uh, Panthers, right? Because I do think Tampa is going to beat Florida and match up with, with Carolina. And I think Carolina will beat Tampa in uh, to get out of this division. Uh, I like their goaltending. You know, and Carolina has, you know, they used to have a two-headed goaltending monster, right, when they beat the Islanders mm-hmm. two years ago, sweeping them in the playoffs. Now they have a three-headed goaltending monster, right, because uh, one of their goalies was injured, um, and, you know, he's come back now. And it'll be interesting to see how they uh, – divvy up the playing time mm-hmm. among these these three goalies and they also their specialty teams are excellent and that's what makes them stand out and uh, one of the main reasons for their success this year is you know they have the best they're among the best power play and the and among the best penalty kill in the league so i think between their goaltending between their power play their penalty kill the special teams you know and they have guys that could put the puck in the net uh, they can play somewhat of a physical game as well. Um, and as a result, I think they're going to get out of that division. Yeah, so... And it'll make our relatives in North Carolina happy. Yeah. But, you know, people just got to stop. You know, Carolina fans, please stop wearing Hartford Whalers gear. You're not the Hartford Whalers. Most of you don't even know where Hartford is. So please stop wearing the Hartford Whalers well, gear. Their retro jerseys this year were really nice. Yeah, well, they're, they're not the Hartford Whalers. Let's let's move on. Yeah. So uh, if they want to move back to Hartford and play at the mall, then they could be the Hartford Whalers again. Otherwise, 
they're not the Hartford Whalers stop. Yeah, moving on to the West, uh, Western Division now. I have the Vegas Golden Knights uh, coming out of the West. Uh, like I said before, fantastic goaltending from the Golden Knights, led by Marc-Andre Fleury, who's probably having one of his best seasons ever in his uh, Hall of Fame career, giving up only 1.98 goals per game this season. Uh, Robin Leonard right behind him, uh, only giving up 2.29 goals per season. And I just like rooting for Robin Leonard because uh, ex-Islander, he's been doing fantastic on the Golden Knights. And then they're, they're attacking also very deep once again, like the Carolina Panthers, led by their captain, uh, Mark Stone. Uh, they also have Max Pacioretty. They have Jonathan Marchesol as well. And uh, Tuck, uh, they, they are the scorers on this team. They also acquired Alex Petrangelo from the Blues last year. And he's been performing pretty well for them as well. So I think that the Golden Knights are the team to beat in the West, and uh, they make it to the uh, the semifinals. Yeah, this is a tough division to pick, K Dog. It really is. It's it's hard to pick against the phony Golden Knights. Remember the real Golden Knights are Clarkson, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll we'll let them use that name. It's hard to pick against Vegas, just because. Their their goaltending is incredible, um, and they have they they can score, and their goaltending is solid, um, and they always seem to make a run in the playoffs. They always seem to go deep in the playoffs. They're not a, they don't seem to be the team that first round out right, mm-hmm. um, somewhat like Pittsburgh first round out lately. Uh, Colorado I, I think is really good. Uh, the Avs have good goaltending in Grubauer. Yeah. You know he's been at the top of his game. They score a lot, a lot of goals. You know, however, you know the playoffs usually turn to a more, to more of a defensive game. K Dog finding finding high scoring teams on the outside looking in. But I think that is balanced by the goaltending of Grubauer. And I think Colorado learned a hard lesson last year. When they got bounced from the playoffs, and the Avalanche have a really their defensemen can pump the puck in the net. They have a high-scoring defense core with uh, Makar and our old friend Devin Tays and K Dog. <laughs> K Dog Devin Tays ended up with 31 points this season. Wow! And to put that in perspective, that would have tied him for fifth on the Isles in scoring, and it would tie him with Nick Letty who also has 31 points. But uh, imagine if you had uh, Taze on the blue line for the Isles. You didn't have Noah Dobson, but you yeah. had Taze. Yeah. Oh, my word. You know, and, and so that, that turned out to be a bad trade for the Isles. But, but nevertheless, and you can't, you know, I'm thinking about St. Louis. I'm not giving Minnesota really uh, any consideration. I'm thinking a little bit about St. Louis because Bennington – has played much better this year. He was mm-hmm. a disaster last year. He was a disaster in the playoffs last year. So he's gotten, he's got, he's improved quite a bit. He's gotten back to his form. So I give him a little consideration. But K Dog, I'm going with the Avalanche. Wow. I'm going with the Avalanche to upset Vegas. Wow. I mean, it's going to be a series, a seven game. Yeah. You know, must watch if you're a hockey fan. Must watch. 
but it's going to be a seven-game uh, series, and I'm going with the Abs this year. Wow, okay. So uh, Vegas, I do have Colorado making it against Vegas, but uh, Vegas winning. But to move on to our final division, we have the North Division, a.k.a. the Canadian Division. And in this one, I'm going with the Edmonton Oilers to oh, go man. to the notes. semifinals. I can't leave my notes around anymore since you're home. In this one, I think Edmonton makes it. They have a suspect goaltending, but they're led by Mike Smith, who gives up uh, 2.31 goals per game, but their backup, Koskinen, uh, gives up three goals a game, which is uh, not ideal. But they have the two. They have the two leading points leaders in Connor McDavid, 105 points this season, and Leon Dreisaitl with 84 points this season. Amazing. And I think that those two could take this team far and make it to the semifinals against uh, Carolina in in the semifinals. Yeah, K Dog. So I I'm also picking Edmonton to come out of this division. It feels like it's the mid-80s all over again with the Edmonton dynasty of Gretzky, Messier, Tikkanen, Grant, Fuhrer, Andy Moog. So now we, we turn our attention to Connor McDavid, who's trying to resemble the great one, leading the NHL and scoring with 104 points, K-Dog. 104 points. Yeah, that's I mean, insane. In a shortened season, too. In a shortened season. I mean, the top... Four Islanders probably don't tally, you know, 104 points. And I get it, the Islanders have a different style of play. But, I mean, he, he's so far and away uh, ahead of anybody else in point scoring. It's just amazing. Uh, so, and, and I think, you know, Mike, Go Mike Smith, yeah, he's not a household name where everybody jumps up and down. But, you know, he had a really uh, exceptional season. Mm -hmm. I think he's solid goalie. Um, and, you know, I think last year the Oilers were baptized by their surprising early exit in the playoffs at the hands of the Blackhawks, right? And I think this was a hard lesson to learn, and it's one that young teams need to learn to prepare themselves for the next year. So I think this is going to propel them to the, being the playoff division winner I don't think they're going to be challenged by Toronto. I really don't. I don't like Toronto's goaltending situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like Anderson. I don't think when the going gets tough, you know, I, I don't like their their their, uh, their goaltending situation. I don't like their defense, and they haven't demonstrated they can win in the playoffs. Yeah, they so. choke a lot. So, in you the know, playoffs. I, I can't pick them. I can't pick them in the playoffs when they haven't demonstrated that they can be successful in the playoffs. You know, uh, they also have. Um, you know, an exceptional uh, player in um, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews, but you know what? It, it's got. It takes more than that. I'm not a Tavares fan, as you well know, yeah. <laughs> because you know he's he, he can't. He, he didn't do it for the Islanders. He hasn't done it for uh, Edmonton either at this point. So uh, the fact that they haven't won, I can't go with them. I'm going for the rejuvenated Edmonton Oilers to come out of this division. You know, and I, and I think, and it's hard to tell which division is the weakest, but I'm thinking the Canadian division, based on what I've seen, is the weakest division yeah. in this league. And again, it's hard because they don't play each other. And I think the Eastern Conference 
is the toughest division. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how, how all that plays out down the stretch here when these divisions start playing each other. Yeah, th- that will be uh, interesting because there was no out-of-division play this year. So uh, it will be a feeling-out period uh, once they reach the uh, semifinals. And usually the semifinals, you don't want to have a feeling-out period, but no. it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But uh, now moving on to the Islanders' playoff preview the series. against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And for me, in this one, it's uh, high-scoring offense versus low-scoring offense, but uh, low-scoring, uh, good defense, great defense from the Isles this year, usually. Uh, but I think that the Islanders are going to win this series in six games, uh, win the series 4-2. Uh, I think that for the Islanders to uh, advance in this series, they're going to have to strike quick and fast uh, against the Penguins that have been uh, slowly on a losing streak uh, to end the season. Uh, the goaltending from the Islanders has been pretty good this year, led by Varlamov and the rookie Sorokin. Uh, the Penguins have Tristan Yari. Uh, obviously, the Penguins have Sidney Crosby and company. And the Islanders are led by Matt Barzell and uh, and company. But uh, hopefully the Islanders find a way to beat the Penguins. I have them beating the Penguins in six games this year. Okay, K-Dog. So let's let's walk through through this, uh, take, being objective here. So, yeah. <laughs> so Pittsburgh won the season series six games to two. Yeah, I know. Pittsburgh beat the Islanders at their own game this season, playing some good good defense. Let's see. Uh, Pittsburgh has the better skill players with Crosby and Malkin. The question is whether Malkin's going to play because he's mm-hmm. been hurt, whether he's going to play or not. Right? If he doesn't play, that's a big equalizer for the Islanders. Uh, you know... The, if the Islanders want to win, they are going to have to get production out of players like Brock Nelson. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to get production out of players like Beauvillier. Josh Bailey, too. Well, Josh Bailey, I don't think they're going to get production out of. <laughs> but they got to get production out of Pajot. Mm-hmm. they got to get, obviously, production out of Barzell. they got to get production out out of the two guys they picked up at the trade deadline mm-hmm. in Palmieri and Zajac. And they have to, the the identity line has to, they don't have to score goals, but they have to have an impact on the game. Mm-hmm. And they really need some solid defense. The defense must play better. They And the defense must carry the puck through the neutral zone and be active on the offensive side of the sheet of ice. Mm -hmm. They can do that. They can win. But this series is going to come down to goaltending. At the end of the day, that's what this series is going to come down to, regardless of what I've just said. And the question is, will Yari 
play better than Varlamov? That's the question. Yeah. The answer is no. He's not going to play better than Varlamov. I don't think so. I don't either. like Tristan Yari in this particular situation. Yeah, the Islanders lost six, you know, six to two in the series, but I don't like Yari in this situation. So you know what, K Dog? I'm calling for an Islanders victory. I'm calling for an Islanders victory. I'm looking for a 1980s Islanders rematch against the Edmonton Oilers, K Dog. Except for I picked Washington to come out of the yeah. uh, out of that division. But that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Islanders, Oilers. We re- revisit the glory days of the 80s. I'll be wearing my Billy Smith jersey. I'll fire it up. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome if uh, the Isles could play the Oilers. But a Just lot imagine that, Kato. A lot has imagine to happen. <laughs> a lot has to happen. But I I could definitely see it. Uh, the Oilers are sh- striving right now, and the Islanders, uh, when it comes playoff time, they turn they turn into a different team, uh, as seen by last year. Uh, they almost didn't make the playoffs, and then they made the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, we'll see what happens there. As now that we're done with the NHL, we'll move on to the NBA, which is our Nets and Knicks go rewind. New York, go New York, go. And we'll start out with the Nets rewind in this one. And uh, to end the season, they had a four-game stint uh Starting on Tuesday, they played the Bulls twice this week, Spurs once, Cavs once. And I predicted it. I said they'd go on a 4-0, four-game winning streak to end the season, and they did. And started out with the Bulls uh, winning 115-107. to uh, A closer game than everyone thought, but it uh, towards the fourth quarter, the, the Nets' defense started to get lackadaisical. Uh, giving up 33 points in the fourth quarter, uh, they were they were cooking in, into the fourth quarter, but uh, just uh, took their foot off the pedal at the end. But the leading leading player in this game was Bruce Brown, 15 points, Bruce 10 Brown. rebounds, six of 11 shooting from the field. Uh, KD also had a pretty good game, 21 points, eight assists, nine of 13 from the field. Kyrie only shot 40% in this game with 13 points. Uh, Jeff Green off the bench had 14 points as well. And Claxton off the bench had 10 points and 10 rebounds in this game. On the Bulls side, it was all Zach Levine. He tried to bring this team to the win, but could not do it. 41 points from Levine on a 6 of 11 shooting split from three-point land. Uh, uh, Nikola Vucevic had a double-double, 12 points, 12 rebounds. But the story of this game is Vucevic. In the past games against the Bulls, Vucevic had a, a past game, uh, Nets versus Bulls, I should say. Vucevic had upwards of 30 points a game, each game. And this is where the Nets uh, came into uh, their zone and limited Vucevic to only 12 points, which was a huge story in this one because everyone's like, who's going to who's gonna defend the the centers in the playoffs for the Nets, but it they proved that they could do it in this one, and they won one fifteen to one oh seven. K Dog, you know the Nets took care of business in this game, leading wire to wire right from the jump. They had the lead. 
never relinquished it. They built their lead each quarter until the fourth quarter when they just started to coast to finish the game. This game was never in doubt, though. Mm -hmm. The Nets beat them badly in the paint, outscoring the Bulls significantly. And, you know, Blake Griffin started at center. But you you talked about Claxton. Claxton got over 20 minutes, and he responded with a double-double. So I don't know why. I don't know why he doesn't play as much. I don't know why he's not starting. He should be starting over Blake Griffin. I continue to focus on the net center position because I think, and people are going to say I'm crazy, regardless of the big three, if they want to win the chip, they got to get good center play. Mm-hmm. Because when they play the Sixers and Embiid, right, or any other team that has a strong center, they're going to have a problem if they can't shoot from the outside. So... I'm continuing to focus on the net center position because I think it is key to them winning the chip. Yeah, yeah, that is true. They need huge center play in the playoffs. Obviously, in the East against Embiid in the Sixers, Giannis in the Bucks, or uh, Bam Adebayo in the Heat. If they play one of those teams, they have very good centers. I consider Giannis a center because he plays down low all the time, gets most of his points from the paint. So uh, someone's going to have to limit him. And obviously, the two-game stint against them, uh, they proved that they couldn't. But uh, moving on to our Wednesday game, it was against the Spurs. And the Nets, once again, took care of business, uh, dominating the Spurs 128-116. to uh, This is one of the games that I thought they could lose this week. But uh, they did win uh, in dominating fashion. The return of James Harden in this one with... Uh, he had a huge game off the bench, 18 points, 7 rebounds, 11 assists, 6 of 8 shooting, 3 of 4 from the 3-point line. His splits were fantastic. He only shot the ball 8 times and had 18 points, which is crazy in my opinion. But uh, Kevin Durant also had 14, 7, and 7, shooting 40% from the field. Not that great, but uh, we'll take it. Uh, Kyrie did not play in this one with a... Facial contusion, uh, getting nailed by Vucevic in the game before. Uh, But Blake Griffin had 13 points in this one as well. Uh, On the other side, it was DeMar DeRozan and uh, DeJounte Murray in this one. Uh, Murray had 15 points, 11 rebounds, and DeMar DeRozan had 21 points. Uh, In this game, the Nets just shot immensely better than uh, the Spurs in this one. 61% 61% from the field, while the Spurs only shot 43% from the field. Uh, on three-point land, they shot 43%, and the Spurs only shot 26%. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets got out-rebounded, though, in this game, 46-43. to 43. Not a big difference, but they took care of business, winning two sh- uh, their second straight game in this weekly trip. Well, K-Dog, you know, everything DeRozan puts up goes in, right? Yeah. But again, uh, this was a quality win for the Nets against a good Spurs team fighting for their playoff lives. But again, you know, the Nets basically led wire to wire. There was only one lead change early in the game, uh, K-Dog. The Nets led the rest of the way. And the story of the the game was the return of King James Harden from an 18-game absence. And the, you talked about it, the key to the victory was the net sh- shooting. They shot lights out. 
and of, and of course the return of James. You talked about uh, King James had a double double with eighteen and eleven, and he came off the bench. Yeah, twenty five points, twenty five minutes, I should right. say. He came off the bench, and it was it was the first time K Dog he's come off the bench, didn't start since he won the six man award playing for OKC in 2011-2012. So he started every game since. First time he's come off the bench. Uh, and the Nets, K Dog, the Nets are 28 and seven when Harden plays. 28 and seven. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And they were only 12 and nine. During his injury, when he wasn't playing, twelve and nine. Yeah. Uh, so, I think we know who the MVP of the Nets is. It's King James. Mm-hmm. It's not Durant, right? So, you K dog. You didn't talk about Claxton. Claxton had a career high in this game, eighteen points. Wow. Yeah. That... My guy Nick. He, right. Yeah. So I I say I continue to focus on the center position. You know, I'm lobbying. Here's my petition. Can I like those petitions? Claxton's mm-hmm. got to start. Let's write it down. All right, Steve Nash, Claxton's got to start. But uh, his contributions in the playoff will be huge if the Nets want to win the chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nets had eight players in double figures in this game, K-Dog. Really balanced offense. You talked about Kyrie being out. So another game without the big three. The Nets have had 36 different starting lineups this year, K-Dog, with Mike Jones becoming the 19th net to start a game in place of Joe Harris. Mm -hmm. Joe Harris missed his first game of the year against the Spurs. Uh, The Nets finished with a 22-8 record against the Western Conference, K-Dog, the best in the league against the Western Conference. And that bodes well for them if they can get to the finals. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, moving on to our next game, it was against the Bulls once again. And uh, once again, complete domination uh, in this one. A 105-91 to finish against the Bulls. Uh, leading performer in this one was Bruce Brown once again with a double-double. 16 fire. points and 12 rebounds on 8 of 13 shooting. Uh, Kyrie Irving had 22 points. KD had 12 points, nine rebounds, six assists on his worst shooting performance of the season, though. Four of 17 from the field. But uh, Claxton, once again, 25 minutes played, 10 points, eight rebounds, perfect four of four from the field. Nice. Uh, Good to see that he's getting more minutes in this game as well. Jeff Green, 19 points as well in this one. Bruce Brown, too. Yeah, I yeah I already talked about Bruce. Yeah. But uh, Pat Williams, uh, the rookie from Florida State for the Bulls, was the leading scorer for them, 24 points. Daddyus Young had a double-double, 19 points and 13 rebounds. And Vucevic, once again, only 10 points in this game, 4 of 18 from the field, 0 of 8 from 3. But he also had 11 rebounds. But once again, they they locked down the center position and they destroyed the Bulls. Yeah, the Nets locked down Vucevic again, and that's they gotta play some defense because most of the time they forget that they have to play defense. But the story of this game, K-Dog, was the the return of the big three for the first yeah. time in three months and for only the eighth time all season. The big three played together. And the Metropolitans are six and two when pl- when the big three play together. But the big three were rusty, as you said. Durant, and Irving, 
having an off-shooting night. You talked about his four for 17. Kyrie had 22 points, but they didn't come easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what's huge about the Nets in this game and some of the earlier games this week was championship teams need the bench players to step up when the stars are not shining. And these guys step up week after week after week. Somebody steps up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Joe Harris was out again, and he wasn't. He's not expected to play in the season closer. Uh, hopefully, he's back for the playoffs. Uh, and the Nets' shooting percentage was much better than the Bulls, both from the field and the arc. And the Nets killed the Bulls in transition. K Dog. They scored 27 fast break points versus the Bill. The Bulls five fast break yeah. points killed them. And uh, you know the Nets finished with the Cavs, and basically the game. You know, for the most part, means nothing. You know, as as the Nets are in the second spot, one game behind the Sixers, who won the tiebreaker, even if the Sixers lose. You know, so um, you know they they got to win so that the Bucks don't go in front of them. But yeah. uh, you know, get ready for the playoff game against the seven eight winner. Yes, they did. They clinched the the final. They clinched the two spot in the final game. Uh, once again, absolutely destroying the Cavaliers, one twenty-three to one hundred nine. Uh, this game was not close whatsoever. Uh, the Nets jumped out to a twenty-point lead at the half, and uh, this game was led by Kevin Durant. He had an absolute lights-out shooting night: eight of ten from the field, twenty-three points, eight rebounds, thirteen assists, and he had a highlight play of the year while well, uh catching uh, the Mike James off the backboard alley-oop dunk to uh top off the year in this one Kyrie Irving had 17 points 7 of 11 from shoot uh from the field 3 of 3 from three-point land uh and he finished the season with a 50 40 90 uh shooting splits and uh he's the he's the fifth player ever to have 25 points per game, 25 plus points per game, and shooting 50, 40, 90. So, huge accomplishment for Kyrie Irving this year. Uh, Bruce Brown had 12 points. Mike James had 14, 13 for Jeff Green. Tyler Johnson had 10. Uh, Shamit had 12 as well. Oh, everyone was, everyone was, yeah, everyone was shooting on the Cavs in this one. Uh, for the Cavs side, uh, Ex-Net Jared Allen had 9 points and 11 rebounds in this oh. one. Uh, Isaac Okoro had 18 points. Colin Sexton got thrown out of this game in this <laughs> one with 16 points. But uh, uh, Nets win 123-109, lock up the second seed, and they're ready to play the 7-8 winner. Yeah, okay, dog. you know, the, the Nets, you called it. We're going to go 4-0, and they took care of business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what, that's what you expect. From a, a team that's going to contend for a championship, they're not sleeping on these dogs that they should beat. Um, the only thing is, you know, the big three did not play in this game with King James Harden out for uh, injury management. I'm assuming that he's fine, and they were just giving him a day off, uh, waiting for the playoffs. But uh, you know, big three hasn't played two consecutive games, uh, unfortunately. So you know. They wrap up the season, and like I've been saying, that where you finish in the regular season doesn't matter. They just need because they they're built. They have to win the chip. If they don't win the chip, the season's a failure anyway. Yeah. 
um, and they need their big three to be healthy uh, because if they are, they should be able to make some noise in this tournament that's coming up. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. And we will preview the playoffs next week once the playing tournaments are done. But moving on to the New York Knicks basketball uh, re- rewind. And on Tuesday, started off the week with the Lakers. And they lost in overtime, unfortunately, 101-99. to uh, It was a close game throughout. And this is the Knicks... Tight style of play. Yes. Keep the team under a hundred points, and you're going to win the game. But they did not score enough in this one. But surprisingly, uh, Derrick Rose, 27 points off the bench, six rebounds, six assists. But Julius Randle, 31 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Monster. Uh, he's got to be most improved player of the year. But besides those two, everyone sh- uh, everyone scored under 10 points. Uh, R.J. Barrett. 8 points, 10 of 14 shooting from the field, 0 of 7 from 3. Reggie Bullock, 5 points. Alfred Payton, 2 points. Taj Gibson, 8 points. Nilakina had 9 points. And Obi Toppin had 5 points. But it's they more people need to score 10-plus points for the Knicks to win, obviously. Uh, for the Lakers, Kyle Kuzma had 23 points. Anthony Davis had 20 points. And the leading performer had to be Andre Drummond with a double-double. 16 points, 18 rebounds in this game. He's tough. Yeah, it was a it was a paint game for sure in this one uh, with Drummond and uh, Drummond and Davis on one side and Julius Randle on the other. Big men down low. But uh, shooting splits for this game, the, the Lakers shot 42% while the Knicks shot 39%. 43% from three from the Lakers, 34% from three for the Knicks. And uh, it was a really close game, but just did not fall the Knicks' way in this one. K-Dog, the Knickerbockers lose an overtime heartbreaker against the Fakers. And the Fakers were without the phony king. And and the phony king's new name on this show is LeBrain. I call him <laughs> LeBrain now. That's his new name, LeBrain, because he acts as though he's really smart and has a Ph.D. in philosophy. And K-Dog, he's still trying to figure out why we call my guy Emmanuel quickly IQ. Doesn't know He can't figure that yeah, out. Yeah, he yet. doesn't understand. You know, so LeBrain did not play. The phony king did not play. Um, so James Harden, as I said, is the real King James on this show and in reality. So this was a really entertaining game with 23 lead changes, K-Dog. I mean, this game was really entertaining. Yeah. And the, the reason the Nets lost the game is they were out-rebounded. They were out-rebounded, and that cost them this game. They were out-rebounded 51-39. to 39. If the rebounding was closer, they would have won this game. So, you know, the Knicks finished 3-3 three and three on the road trip, was, which is pretty good, right? Because I didn't expect them... I thought they were going to go like one in six or one in five on this road trip. So they did really good. And they were trying to, you know, they were trying to win both games in LA, K Dog, for the first time since 96 97 season. They yeah. haven't won both games in LA. And, you know, they were again without Burks and they were also without IQ. And, and LeBrain, IQ is Emmanuel quickly, if you haven't figured that out yet. So. 
but you know the the Knicks played tough. They played their game, and you know it was kind of like some of the games at the beginning of the season where they just couldn't get enough scoring. The defense was mm-hmm. really good. They couldn't get enough sco- scoring, but you know they played hard. That's one thing about the Knickerbockers. They played hard. Yeah, and then on the flip side, in the next game, Spurs scored under 100 points. Knicks win 102 to 98. Low scoring game once again. Very close game. Uh, I'd imagine the Knicks would want to win by more than this against the Spurs, but it was still a really good game. Uh, Alec Burks in this game, 30 points, 10 rebounds for the Knicks in this one, 11 of 20 shooting. Uh, Absolute big night from Burks, and they needed it. Julius Randle had 25 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, One rebound and one assist away from a triple-double. R.J. Barrett, 24 points, 9 rebounds in this one. Uh, Reggie Bullock only had 8 points. IQ, 0 points in 11 minutes uh, in this one. On the Spurs side, it was DeMar DeRozan, 27 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 10 of 18 shooting from the field. But uh, the Knicks took care of business in this one. by a very close margin, but thanks to Alec Burks, uh, they take the win against the Spurs. K Dog, you know everything DeRozan puts up goes in. You mm-hmm. know that, don't you? Yeah. Okay. So the Knickerbockers rebound against the Spurs, and you know Burks returns. He drops thirty to lead the Knickerbockers, and 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 Randall had his twenty-five. He's always reliable, and you know as the Knicks battle the Hawks and the Heat for the fourth spot and home court advantage. You know, half game behind the Hawks at the time of this game. Big win for the Knickerbockers. You know, they had a big lead, K-Dog. Then they lose the lead, but they were resilient. You know, in the words of Clyde Frazier, they were resilient in regaining the lead and ultimately the victory. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks, the Knicks, I always say this, but they seem to get contributions from everyone. I mean, it's always Randall up front pretty much. But after that, they get, you know, they get contributions from the nine other players on the roster. Mm -hmm. Rose was out in this game, but the Knicks played a complete team game to get the victory. The bench, the Knicks bench, was the difference. And they outscored the Spurs bench by 15 points. And, you know, they just, they're getting better. They're young guys. And they don't realize that there are a lot of young guys on this team. They got a good balance of young guys and veteran players. And it's working for the Knicks. And Thibodeau has to be, you know, coach of the year. He's not coach of the year, K-Dog, or something wrong. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The Uh, were terrible. Yeah, Thibodeau, it's basically the same roster as last year. Minus Mitchell Robinson, been out for basically the whole season. And he's brought this team to uh, a 10 games over 500 uh, team. And no one expected that at the beginning of the season. But uh, against the Hornets... It was an overtime game, but in overtime, the Knicks dominated and won 118-109, to 109, uh, outscoring Charlotte 14-5 to 5 in overtime. Yeah, nice. uh, but obviously, the Knicks did not want to be in overtime against the Charlotte Hornets. But they did tie for fourth in this game, and uh, if they won against the Celtics, they clinched the fourth spot in home field advantage uh, for the playoffs uh, for the first round. But Julius Randle, triple-double alert, 33 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists uh, to take this team to the win. uh, Reggie Bullock, 17 points in this game as well. 
Alec Burks, 14 points, 9 rebounds. Derrick Rose, 15 points. IQ, 13 points. And Nerlens Noel had 8 points and 11 rebounds. On the other side, it was the Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham show. 30 points for Bridges and 25 for Devontae Graham. Uh, in this game, uh, LaMelo Ball did not show up. 8 points, 4 for uh, four fifteen from the field. But uh, the story was the Knicks' overtime win, and they outshot the Hornets heavily, 51-38%. to uh, Great shooting from the Knicks, awful shooting from the Hornets. But the Knicks get the win, and against the if they won against the Celtics, they get the four spot. K-Dog, the Knickerbockers almost let this one get away, blowing a 17-point third-quarter lead, K-Dog. Yeah. But they used a 9-0 run in overtime to win the game. And the Knicks were smoking from the field, over 50%, over 43% from three, which dwarfed the Hornets' shooting numbers. Um, and you talked about the Knicks being able to clinch the four spot, uh, you know, with their game on Sunday versus the, the Celtics, you know. And then, you know, they'll play the Hawks in the first round of the playoffs at the Garden. So, you know, let's hope we get a Nets versus Knicks in the playoffs. Yeah. We need the Burrow versus Manhattan and this the city will be a buzz because they haven't had something like that, you know, since Islanders Rangers in the playoffs. But I'd like to see the Nets the Nets versus the Knicks in the playoffs. The only thing K Dog is I can do without Spike Lee. Yeah. I mean, can he please sit down? Can he <laughs> please sit down? And during this game, he's up, he's got his hands on his knees, like you know, he's, yeah. he's part of the game, right? You know, he doesn't want people to stand up in front of the movie screen when one of one of his <laughs> movies is playing in a theater. So why is he standing up in front of people at the garden? Nobody goes to the garden to see Spike. They go for the game. Sit down, Spike. Come on now. Yeah, no, they gotta uh, they gotta ban Spike Lee ban again. Spike, no more Spike. <laughs> but uh, now that we're done with the NBA, we'll move on to the MLB and we'll do the Mets. And Yankees rewind, and we'll start out with the Mets in this oh, one. Boy. And it, the week started out hot for the Mets, but did not finish well whatsoever. They won. Uh, they swept the Orioles two two out of two. That was big uh, against the Orioles. Uh, first game they won three three to two, but the big story was game two against Matt Harvey. First game at City Field since being with the Mets, and they absolutely dominated seven to one. Uh, Harvey was accounted for all seven runs in this game, and the Mets just let him have it in this one. Uh, Pilar had had an RBI. Dom Smith, a two. Conforto had uh, a single in this one as well for an RBI. Peraza was, is heating up in this one as well. Uh, it was a garbage time. Uh, it was a garbage time single. Uh, to score a run for the Orioles, but Taiwan Walker had a fantastic game. Seven innings pitched, one run, one earned run, I should say, on four hits. Fantastic game from Taiwan Walker, but uh, story is Mets get to Harvey quick and early and uh, take down the Orioles for the second straight win. K-Dog, I thought the Mets would split with the Orioles. Uh, however, they won two, two out of two. So, you know, that, that was... Uh somewhat impressive i mean the orioles aren't a good team let's be honest they're not a good team 
but you know the Mets got the job done. Uh, they won Game One when they probably shouldn't have won Game mm-hmm. One, right? Uh, they were down going into the ninth inning. The O's closer comes in, and the Mets somehow score two runs in the ninth, which you know doesn't happen frequently. But they did, and they stole that game from the O's, and then they moved on to Harvey Day, right? We got Harvey Day, mm-hmm. and um, you know the return of the Dark Knight to Gotham, and uh, you know the Joker got him because the Mets smoked the Dark Knight, yeah, you know, and and took uh, you know took took no survivors on that one, you know, rocking them for seven runs. You know, and if the Mets score seven runs on you, you got a problem. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Mets, the Mets offense is not prolific. You know, the biggest part of the problem for the Mets is they can't hit. Yeah. They just can't hit. And, you know, I, I said that was going to be a problem for the Mets from the beginning. It continues to be a problem. You know, if Lindor doesn't get it going, he's hitting under 200 uh, at the time of this recording. He doesn't get it going. They're going to run him out of the rail like. Uh, out of town like they did Jason Bay. He's going to be the next Jason Bay at the rate he's going. Yeah. You know, and and can make and you know everybody was high on McCann. He's hitting 200. Yeah, 200. McCann has been I mean, awful. Come on now. Uh, so you know that's a problem for the Mets, and, and I mean maybe not so much McCann. You could carry a catcher hitting 200 if you know his defense is going to be prolific. But you know he's had a number of pass balls. And he has probably about three errors this season, mm-hmm. K-Dog. Uh, so he's not doing it that well on the defensive side of the, the field either. But the key is, you know, you're paying Lindor $370 million. You got to get something out yeah. of him. If you're going to get 200 out of him the whole year, I, I don't care if his glove's any good or not. You know, you might as well have Raphael Santana out, out there if you're going to have a good glove and hit 200 yeah. and not pay him $370 million. But But... Um, you know, so the Mets took care of business. They got uh, scoring from some of their backups, as you talked about. And, you know, that's what they're going to need with the injuries that they have that continue to pile up. Although I don't think their starters are going to be lighting up the box score either, for that matter. Yeah, so moving on to the away trip. Started out this weekend with the Rays and uh did not go well for the Mets oh boy, as they got swept uh, against the they swept the Rays swept the Mets in the three game stand. Uh, the two the first two games were uh, the tale of uh, bullpen implosion uh, as the Mets were up three two in the first game uh, and then in the bottom of the bottom of the ninth bottom of the eighth bottom of the ninth they go on to tie the game and take the win against the Mets in Game 1. Game 2 was the tale of uh, Joey Lucchese sucking like he always does, uh, giving up four earned runs as the Mets were already up in this game. They were up 4-1. to one. He, gives up a, a, he gives up a four-run fourth inning, and uh, Mets were down, and the Rays did not look back in Game 2. And then game three, it was the tale of starting pitching. Stroman gets shelled for five earned runs in game three uh, on home runs. It was all home runs, basically. Uh, but uh, bad hitting from the Mets as well. They, score, they, scored, uh, they scored eight total runs in this series and uh, got swept. And two games were a tale of the bullpen. 
and one game was starting pitching. K-Dog, the Mets lost this series in the opener. Yeah. You know, Peterson pitched really well. Re- seven strong innings, out-dueling Glasnow through those seven innings. You know, the Mets get a two-run shot from an un- unlikely source, VR. Um, and, you know, I-, I know his pitch count was low. Peterson's pitch count was low. And he was throwing well. But... Uh, you know, I, I think it's easy for me to second guess now, but you got to take him out after yeah. seven, and you and you start May, I mean, May from from the beginning mm-hmm. of the inning. Uh, I think if if they did that, May wouldn't have given up those runs. But you know, it's easy for me to second guess that situation. And you know, May comes in; he's he's been reliable, and you know, he he gave it up, and and they couldn't hold it. And once they gave up the lead, they, they weren't coming back, right? Yeah. You, you knew they weren't coming back. And they got the door shut on them. You know, in, in game two, um, it, you know, the pitching just wasn't there. You talked about Lucchese. Uh, Lucchese has not demonstrated that he will be a successful pitcher and contribute anything of substance to this bullpen. Uh, you know, he, I don't know if he has options, but... I don't know how much longer the Mets yeah. can run Lucchese and his churv out there because people are just jacking his churv, uh, right? So I think the Mets need to figure out how they are going to piece together a five-man rotation, especially if DeGrom is out for yeah. any period of time. Forget it. They're done. If he misses more than two weeks, they're going to be done because they even with him in – they can't piece together a five-man rotation. I mean, they, you have this opener. Every, you know, they're having an opener every, every two out of the, yeah. every five starts, yeah. and and you can't run Lucchese out there. He's not going to get it done for you. So you know, the Mets are in big trouble. And uh, if if Degrom cannot take his regular turn in the rotation, mm-hmm. and he's out for any period of time, because Stroman, you know, he's pitched well, although in this third game he got lit up. Uh, but other than that, he's pitched solid. Yeah. You know, he hasn't gotten a lot of bat support. And, you know, that really, at the end of the day, uh, is is the Mets' problem this year. It was the Mets' problem last year. It was the Mets' problem the year before. And they really haven't addressed it. And I think the Mets brass and even Mets fans value their players more than the value that they really have, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it, it just was a bad road trip for the Mets. Now they come home, play the Atlanta Braves, or they're on the road against... Yeah, they're on the road. They're on the road against the Atlanta Braves, so... Yeah, taking a look at the week ahead, they take a th- three-game stint to the Braves uh, at uh, Truist Park, I think it's called now. SunTrust, yeah. Yeah, something like that. But uh, And then uh, the weekend trip is to Miami to take on the Marlins. Uh, I think the Mets lose two out of three to the Braves and then win two out of three against the Marlins. Yeah, I disagree with you, K-Dog. So I think um, I, I think they lose two out of the three to the Braves at Fulton County Stadium. And then I think they're going to lose two out of three to the Marlins. You know, the Marlins are a pretty good team. The Mets haven't fared well against the Marlins um, as of late. And and I just think 
if DeGrom is not doesn't take his regular turn this week, yeah. that you know they're going to have too many starts that are by committee where you're going to need long bullpen games, and they're just not going to score enough runs against the Marlins, whose pitching is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the Mets, you know, they're playing a lot of bench players currently with all the injuries, right? You may, yeah. you may not have Conforto, not that I think, you know, that's a huge. You may not have McNeil, who hasn't really been playing well. You don't know when Finding Nemo is coming back, right? You don't know when J.D. Davis is coming back. Yeah. So you have all these guys that are hurt, um, and the only way they're going to win is if Dom Smith steps up and proves he's the guy mm-hmm. that you know people hope he is. Uh, the polar bear's got to step up and get it done. Lindor's got to hit more, yeah. more than his weight. Yeah, um, McCann's got to get some hits, right? And then you know you got to keep hoping that VR and VR looks has looked very well in the field and at the bat that he can get it done and players like that could get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can't, this is going to be a long road for the Mets. Yeah, definitely. But uh, we move on now to the Yankees rewind, and the Yankees to start out the week had a three-game uh, road road trip to Tampa. Uh, so the Rays got both the Mets and the Yankees in one week. But uh, the Yankees fared well in Tampa, winning two out of three in this one. Uh, the last game, they lost 9-1. to one. Jamison Tyon once again gets bombed in the third game. Oh, yeah, but uh, the first two games, uh, great pitching from the Yanks. Jordan Montgomery in the first one goes six innings, two hits, one earned run, nine Ks. Uh, Roldis Chapman got the save in this one. Judge also had a home run in this one. Gary Sanchez had a home run in this one. In the second game, though, it was the Cole show. Four hits, eight innings pitch, zero earned runs, 12 Ks. And the Yankees' one run comes via a sack fly from Aaron Hicks. So they needed Garrett Cole to perform like he did, and he did. But uh, as I talked about already in the third game, Tyon got destroyed uh, 9-1 but the Yankees took 2 out of 3 and Cole looked fantastic in his start against the Rays K-Dog the first two games needs to be the Yankee formula it needs to be every team's formula so you know uh, they they beat the Rays for the second time in the last 7 tries as they go on their longest road trip of the year uh, they used the Yankee formula, like I said. They got long balls from Judge and Sanchez in the first game. As far as I'm concerned, Sanchez is fighting for his job behind the plate, so he's got to he's got to make a significant contribution. Um, Montgomery was strong, yielded two hits, turned it over to the the usually reliable Yankee bullpen, and then Chapman came in and he's just lights out. There's no question about it. It's just the game's over. And he converted his eighth save on eight attempts, looking sharp. And he had to pitch out a little bit of trouble because of an error. Uh, and then in game two, it was the same deal. I mean, Cole pitched. Enough said. I mean, the, the Yankees stopper did not disappoint. He threw eight stellar innings, followed by lights out Chapman for his ninth save. So, you know, the Yanks formula, and this is what they want every time Cole pitches. 
They want either a complete game at a cold yeah. or hand it off to Chapman in the ninth inning, eliminating the middle relief. Because, you know, anytime a team can eliminate middle relief, you want to. Because that's typically the weakest part of the pitching staff. So that, that's what they want to do. Cole surpassed 1,500 strikeouts for his career. Uh, this was Cole's first regular season victory over the Rays, K-Dog. He was previously 0-4 with a 3.91 ERA. And the Yanks are on a roll. Yeah. You know, they've won 11 of the last 15. But be careful because the Yanks' offense is still sputtering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they went through this last year where they would get bunches of home runs and then it would be a, a scoring drought. So be careful, Yankee fans. It looks positive. They're on the, on the rise. But uh, you got to be careful of that. Well, yeah, they travel to Baltimore to take on the Orioles at Camden Yards, and more of the same. They won two out of three against the Orioles uh, in this one. In the first game, it was a comeback win for the uh, for the Yanks, as in the top of the seventh, Gio Urshela had a three-run home run to put the Yankees ahead 5-4, ended up winning 5-4. Corey Kluber uh, had a decently it did not have a good game i should say actually six innings pitched four earned runs seven hits six k's loisica got the save in this one in the second game orioles uh the yankees i said i should say shelled the orioles eight to two uh the return of luke voigt in this one uh he had a pretty good day with uh two rbi three rbis in this one aaron judge had another home run in this one Domingo Herman had a great game uh, on the mound. Six innings pitched, one earned run, and six Ks. But once again in the third game, the Yankees give up 10 runs to the Orioles. And uh, Jordan Montgomery is the loser in this one with uh, three innings pitched, five earned runs, and four Ks. Uh, the Orioles just destroyed the Yankees 10-6 in the, in the uh, third game. And they... Uh, Yankees took two out of three again, but uh, they're 22-18, and 18, uh, third in the AL East, but they are four games over 500, and it looks like they're hitting their stride. K-Dog, is it me, or does it seem like the Yankees play the Orioles all the time? Yeah, that's, I mean, it just seems like the beginning of the season, time. yeah, it already seems like yeah, they've yeah. played them millions of times. <laughs> but, you know, the so, so the Yankees, they took two of three. And, you know, all you want to do is win series. If you win series, Positive you're, going record. Be, you're going to be in first place, yeah. right? So, yeah, everybody wants them to win all three games. You know, the disappointing part of it is you don't want to see your guy Montgomery get shelled, yeah. right? Because they're counting on this, this young kid to be a constant in their rotation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they're starting to get some scoring, they're starting to hit homers again. You know, bombers are starting to be the bombers again. Yep. But you got to take that with a little grain of salt as well because they're playing the Orioles, uh, who they have a tendency of bombing. So, you know, when they when the schedule gets a little tougher, and again, yeah, you have to beat everybody on your schedule and the O's are on your schedule. Well, you know, you're really going to see the Yankees medal when the schedule gets a little bit more tough, um, you know, and you're not just playing the Orioles. But they took care of business. Mm-hmm. They beat the Rays. And they beat the uh, Orioles. Went 4-2 and two on a six-game stand. That's not bad. Yeah, so taking a look at the week ahead for the Yankees, 
It's a four-game stand in Arlington, Texas against the Rangers. And then the weekend matchup is against the first place AL Central leading White Sox. Who's in goal for the Rangers? Oh, the, uh, they're golfing. Is that what you said? Yeah, the Ra- okay. the Texas Rangers they're playing oh, this they're week. They're playing the New York Rangers. No, no, Texas Rangers in Arlington. <laughs> but uh, I think they take three out of four from the last place Rangers that continue their domination against the bad teams in the MOB. And then I think they get swept by the White Sox in this one. Oh, that's bold pick. The White Sox are a really good team. Uh, the the White Sox five point one runs per game, only giving up three point six runs per game, which is good for third best in the league right now. And I don't think the Yankees have a way to win against this team. That their deep lineup and their pitching is, I I believe, is better than the Yankees pitching. K-Dog, uh, I, I think I might agree with you on this because I think they'll take at least three or four from the, the, the Rangers. Uh, and I'll agree with you on the White Sox. And the reason why I'll agree with you that they, the White Sox sweep the Yankees is because I don't think Cole's pitching in the White Sox series. I think Cole's pitching... In the Rangers, Rangers series. series, I would disagree with you if Cole was pitching in the White Sox. Yeah, then I'd say maybe two out of then, they'd lose two they'd, out of three. They'd win one game. Yeah. Uh, so I will, I will agree with you. I think they they beat up on the Rangers, um, and I think uh, they get swept by the the White Sox just because I, I favor the pitching matchup uh, that the White Sox have against the um, the Bronx Bombers in that series. So yeah, I agree with you, K Dog. Yeah, so now that we're done with the MLB, we'll move on to our final topic of the day, which is K-Dog's Fantasy Minute. Oh, I can't wait for this. <laughs> and uh, we moved to 1-5 in five this oh, week as we lost once again. Oh, my word. Uh, we are in trouble. Who's your manager, Rojas? Yeah, he might be. We're in trouble this week. Uh it's just a tale of bad pitching once again. Besides Lance McCullers, he's my performer of the week with 50 points. Uh, he had uh, 14 innings pitched, a win, only one earned run, 14 Ks in his two starts. Uh, but my losers, uh, the the pitcher from Oakland, Sean Manaya, he ha- he got shelled in his one one start, two innings pitched. Seven earned runs Terrible. against the Red Sox, minus 19 points on the week. Uh, terrible. Yeah, absolutely terrible. My surprise of the week, Manny Machado starting to heat up, 38 points on the week, 5 of 21 from uh, batting. He had a home run, nine RBIs, a triple, a double. Uh, so he played well this this uh, this week. But uh, Blake Snell is my disappointment of the week. Eight points, four innings pitched, two earned runs, seven Ks. Uh, he just not couldn't get it done, and the pitching is just bad this year for my team. K dog, you know your general management manager performance is, um, you know, making uh, Brody Van Wagenen look like a genius. I mean, come on. I gonna, feel like the Mets right get, now. You you might get fired before Sandy Alderson at the rate you're going. I know. I feel like the Mets right now. This, this is atrocious. Our pitching's bad. We can't hit either. Uh, 
see what I guess we'll see do what you, happens. Do you have Lucchese on your team? No, I do not have Lucchese. <laughs> you might have to pick him up. No, I don't need Lucchese <laughs> on my team. Uh, so hopefully this week we could win again, be two and five, try and get on a winning track. But we'll see what happens next week. But that's it from the seller today. And here's hoping that we get out of the seller.